0: Welcome to Being Honest with My Ex. My ex is Peter C. Haywood.
1: My ex is SJ, better known as Honor Eastley.
0: We were engaged for two years and, and then, then we, we broke up, up <laughs> and then we stopped talking to each other for a year and now we do a podcast together. Would you have a baby with me?
1: If I can get you to cry next podcast, we'll have a hat trick. <laughs>
0: You don't know this, but I have a very vivid image of what your penis looks like. What? (laughs) If I met you now, I do not think that I would go out with you. Oh, my (laughs) God.
1: I think if I met you now, I'd I'd fall more in love with you than I did the first time.
0: So, I think I've come to a point where I may have fully morphed into you.
1: (laughs) It was inevitable.
0: And I've just realised... That I don't want to be you. What? Yeah, I just realised I don't want to be you.
1: Who do you want to be? You?
0: (laughs) I was thinking maybe I'd start with trying to be me, yeah.
1: Okay, first of all, what made you realise that you'd fully morphed into me?
0: So, before we recorded this, I had a big cry. And then I (laughs) talked to my boyfriend and... We just had a really interesting conversation. I've just been really, really stressed, basically, and very, very burnt out, and recovering from salmonella poisoning. And I also had a cold this week, and, you know, life is happening.
1: Do you have to say salmonella poisoning? Like...
0: I think it makes it sound better. Okay. Come on!
1: I I, I think if you just said recovering from salmonella, then people, people don't know what that is, and they can project whatever they want onto it. Okay. Like, that could be some weird, mysterious leg disease. And, like, if if you don't know, you don't know. So, like... Salmonella poisoning, it sounds more malicious, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I want, that I want to project the idea of feel sorry for me. (laughs) (laughs) I actually just went back to the doctor this week because it's been, like, six weeks. I can't have dairy or alcohol or caffeine or hot food.
1: (laughs) Have I ever told you about my friend Janet who at the age of, like, 50-odd went to India for the first time? and uh, got food poisoning story. so bad that she now has permanent allergies. Yeah, that's... I didn't know that was a thing you could get.
0: That's not completely uncommon.
1: Like, I am quite happy with my risk-free lifestyle, and now I'm like, I might just keep on living that lifestyle. Like... <laughs> I might just continue <laughs> not going to anything that's not a first world country because that has done me pretty well so far. <laughs> oh, and God. like, there's weird allergies that she has too. It's not like gluten or whatever. It's like specific things that are in some types of breads, but not other. And I'm just like, nope. Like, sorry, India. I'm sure that you're very lovely, but I don't ever want to go to you.
0: Yeah. So yeah, after you have... Salmonella poisoning or food poisoning, for that matter, it can just really fuck with your gut and that can take a long time to heal itself. But I recently read a story like just two days ago about a woman who, like, I didn't realize that half a percent of people who get salmonella die. 20% end, up in, ho- 20% end up in hospital. It's crazy. One in five people who get salmonella end up in hospital. I think that's mostly babies and, and older people. When they were like, you have salmonella, they were like, don't go near any babies or older people. And our neighbors across the road, one of my housemates has just started babysitting them. And they were all being like really chummy. And I <laughs> like, hey, like, this would be a lovely moment to come over and, and meet the kids for the first time. And uh, and I was like, bye, have fun. Well, I'm not going to explain. Did you ring a bell? <laughs> no, I was just like, <laughs> Shouting hello. Shouting leper. I'm just gonna no. I'm just gonna be. I'm just gonna be a little <laughs> bit aloof.
1: Can I share with you a relevant thing that I learned from Reddit? Yeah, there was a cult in the U.S. who, in an attempt to sway a small town ma- ma- mayoral, Is that he say the word? To sway a small town mayoral election, decided to like find the area of town most likely to vote for him, smeared all of the doorknobs with salmonella. Why? So that people wouldn't would be too sick to go out and vote.
0: Oh wow.
1: It's the largest example of chemical warfare taking place on American soil.
0: Wow. That's fucked up. People can die from salmonella. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm like, man, that, that story is much more sinister. I thought it was just like a like a flu kind of thing, which I guess you can also die from the flu, but like the context that you gave has elevated that story's drama. Yeah. The second part of their plan was that they shipped in a huge number of homeless people to vote for their mayoral candidate and discovered that the majority of, of homeless people who are happy to be shipped in to vote for someone are not very stable and having them all in like the one big house out of town went downhill very quickly.
0: <laughs> wow. That's fucked up in so many ways. Like, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So I've now been, I did some fancy Googling of like salmonella ongoing complications. Not very excited about what I found.
1: Are you pregnant now?
0: No. Is that one of the complications? (laughs) That is one of the complications. (laughs) (laughs) Babies. (laughs) Who would have thought?
1: But baby salmon, that's why it's named that. (laughs) you're just gonna spawn like a stream of baby salmon from inside you (laughs) what are the ongoing complications that you're nervous about
0: it's actually i think i'm just i've been very blessed to not have very many physical health anythings the things that i have going on are pretty not that bad like just annoying and this has been the first i don't know was i ever really sick when we were together no, like, like... like, do you remember a period of me being, like, really sick? No. Yeah, this is, like, I can't remember being an adult and being this sick. Like, I remember when I was younger, I had glandular fever for a long time.
1: I like how you an extra syllable into glandular fever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I've had salmonella poisoning, and I feel like it has broken me as a person slightly.
1: Oh, so do you feel more like me in that you've now had a breakdown? Like
0: Absolutely not, no.
1: What, what is it then? I'm so, like, How has this led you to feeling more like me?
0: So having salmonella poisoning has not made me feel more like you. I think it's just made me realise that I've been becoming you. <laughs> because-, <laughs> because I feel like I've slightly broken myself. So at the moment, I'm in a stage of life where I'm just like my feeling a lot is I don't wanna no don't make me do it (laughs) like that is how I'm feeling and it I have a lot of like feelings around that of like shame of like I'm lazy or crap or whatever and that's really new to me to feel that way to to be like I just don't want to do any of this stuff. Like, that's very unusual. What stuff? I don't want to do any of my work. I don't want to do... I don't want to do anything that I don't want to do.
1: Do you mean you don't want to do Starving Artists? You don't want to do this podcast? You don't want to... I don't want to
0: do Starving Artists. I don't want to do this podcast. I don't want to do any of the other things I'm signed up to do. A
1: tears project?
0: Yeah, none of it. Just none of it at all. Like...
1: It what, changes. what do you want to do?
0: <laughs> I want to sleep. <laughs> I want to sleep. Right. And... So
1: th- this is more of an in the moment thing than a like long term. Like, are, are you quitting creative work? No, I, I this understand. isn't
0: like a. This isn't the long term strategy. Um,
1: <laughs> I don't know, because because that that would be valid. Like, if if you were like, oh, I've decided I don't want to be a creative anymore. I want to. Lay bricks for a living.
0: Yeah. Well, there has been... There definitely has been moments where I've been like, I never expected to feel this way, but I can totally understand getting to this point and being like, actually, fuck off. I don't want to do this anymore.
1: But that's not the point that you're at.
0: That's not the point that I'm at. I'm not like, I'm going to throw everything away. But I am like, wow. I remember watching a video a little while ago of this interview thing... And they were asking these different creatives, like, what's the best advice you could give to young creatives or whatever? And I remember this guy that I didn't really like at the time. He was like, if you want to be a writer, first try and be anything else. Literally anything else first. And then (laughs) if there is no other option be a writer like only do it if you have to and i was like that's really negative Meh. Um,
1: <laughs> i run a small board game company called jellybean games uh, yes i'm aware that came about when i watched a bunch of people on going on kickstarter and making board games and was like i can do that which is how, how i enter most things in life i listened to harm town and was like i could do that and so this podcast started <laughs>
0: Yeah, you did. And
1: so I I saw people doing Kickstarter board games. I was like, I can do that. And so I started a board game company. I was not alone in that. Uh, Kickstarter board games, and I know this is a topic that bores you thoroughly, but I'm going to tell you about it anyway. Hey! Kickstarter board games are currently in a massive, like, glut of everyone is doing one.
0: I find this kind of stuff interesting. I don't find board games itself interesting because it's not stuff I know a lot about but I find like systems stuff interesting
1: and so at the moment board games on Kickstarter are going through like an insane number of projects are starting every day and I'm seeing stuff that a year ago two years ago would have done quite well just like failing to gain traction like absolutely no one is interested in them because there's so much out there and you have to stand way above the pack and so I was thinking about this the other day, and if someone was like, "Hey, how do I start a board game company?" My advice would be like, "Don't, don't, you're too late." And I remember getting that advice and being so frustrated. Of like, it felt like you know, you know, the idea of closing the door behind you, or, or... oh,
0: as in like now I'm in and you're out. Yeah, yeah.
1: Whereas in fact, like yesterday, I had a 90 minute Skype conversation, in which I learned that every single contract I have given out as part of Jellybean Games has been wrong on like 15 different levels. And I've been offering people twice as much royalties as they should be getting. And I've just been doing it wrong. And I've talked in the past about how emotionally exhausting it is to, like, learn that you've been doing stuff wrong. And the fact that running a board game company has this emotional cost that I was not expecting. Because, like, I'm, I'm a fairly emotionally stable guy, but, like, running a board game company has made me realize how many emotions I have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just hyper aware of them. And so, like, when someone's like, hey, I want to start a board game company because I have a board game, I'm like, don't. Like, <laughs> it will eat your soul. <laughs> in a way that like i've brought on nicole now she's officially a a partner for bluebeard entertainment which is my company and i'm like i have not been doing my accounting properly i've not been doing contracts properly i am a smart guy i've been putting many many hours into it and i've fucked up on like 50 different levels the companies it's got enough money to keep going but we're not making like i haven't gotten paid from it i did i did my accounting did i tell you this i did my accounting and i worked out that of the $45,000 revenue, I personally, just by doing like hourly labor, brought into the company, I took a salary of like30,000 $30, or 35,000. So like so far the amount of money I've made from Bluebeard Entertainment has been negative <laughs> $10,000. Uh... And I had insanely successful Kickstarters.
0: <laughs> yes, I hear you. Yes.
1: So I I am that guy when someone's like, hey, how do I start a board game company? I'm like, oh, do you want to lose money if you're as lucky as I am? Do you want to get everything wrong unless you are two people? Like I'm now firmly of the opinion you cannot start a business without two people because there is so much admin and paperwork that you need to get through just to do things right on a basic level. Yes. And like it it takes all my time. It takes all my money. I get it all wrong. It takes all my emotions. I'm just like, don't don't do is my advice so yeah i I totally empathize with that author being like oh you want to be a writer okay first step don't be a writer (laughs) like if you can do anything else do that if i was starting up today i actually don't know if i'd do it like at the moment i'm like look i'm invested in it and we're doing considering the fact that i'm not getting paid and my partner's not getting paid we're doing pretty well like (laughs) but
0: if no one gets paid it's a great business
1: (laughs) i'm like i think we're only a year away from getting paid now and I'm a year and a half into it. Huh. If I was starting now, I don't think I'd be like, oh, in two and a half years' time, I can get paid. That sounds pretty good. I think I would just do anything else. And so, like, yeah, when someone's like, I designed a game. Should I make a Kickstarter company? I'm like, nope. If your game is good enough, someone else will publish it and you can just make money.
0: <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <sighs> it reminds me of the word just.
1: Yeah.
0: I think we talked about this on a previous We did an episode on the yeah, word just. Yeah. On the word just. I think part of it is... So, so, yes, I totally understand, like that's what's been really hard, I think, and that's why I feel like it's good to to get a little bit broken because <laughs> well, because you know, for me and for many people, like significant change doesn't really happen unless it has to, so you know, I've been talking about working too hard for the past
1: two years, easily, yeah.
0: I was just talking on the phone. Just. (laughs) I was just talking. That's different. That's different. (laughs) I was just talking on the phone is different to, oh, I know. I'll just make an online course. And then, you know what? I'll just make it into a business. Easy.
1: (laughs) We had that conversation.
0: I've got an idea. I'll just kickstart this. And then, you know what? I'll just make a board game company. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking on the phone with Corin uh, <laughs> about how I didn't used to work like this as much until
1: you met me <laughs>
0: part of it was actually becoming friends again with you I think maybe I can't remember no a little bit I don't know
1: that was a, that was a journey <laughs> <laughs> There was hope, there was nostalgia, there was confusion.
0: (laughs) Wait, in what I just said then? Yeah. (laughs) Many emotions all had very closely after one another. (laughs) No, that I just... (laughs) I'm saying that
1: word a lot now. I... Recently?
0: My life looked different two years ago. And in a bunch of ways, I have a lot of the things that I would have wanted two years ago.
1: And now you're realising... That they're not what you really want.
0: What I really want is you.
1: <laughs> the whole podcast has been building to this moment. Ding,
0: dig, ding! ding! <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, I think I talked about this before, but in in the episode that I just put up for Starving Artists" with Sarah Firth, and in the episode that I think will go up next week with Becky Sui Chen, they talk about, like, wanting a kind of well-rounded life. And I've just really kind of... Push myself really, really hard for the past. I mean, I've always been driven, but particularly the past few years,
1: um... pushed yourself past the breaking point. Yeah. So, so, and and you know that now because you were like, oh, back there, two hundred meters, that was the breaking point.
0: <laughs> well, I think that the salmonella poisoning thing sort of like I feel like my body was being like, okay, look, you're really not reading what we're trying to tell you. So let's just make it obvious, like very, very obvious. (laughs) You can't keep doing this. So now when I say, I don't wanna, when I'm like, I don't wanna, what I mean is, I'm like, I can't live this life like this indefinitely. And being sick made that more apparent because it meant that-
1: Literally couldn't. (laughs)
0: I literally couldn't work, but every day that I couldn't work at full capacity meant that the amount of work that I had to do just increased. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So
0: so every day that I've been sick has meant more work. Not even more work, because a bunch of it I can just probably just be like, I can't do that. But just like, the thing is also, I got sick at the time where I had the most amount of work to do because Starving Artists was really successful. So I have an email just full of people from all over the world sending me emails for all different types of things, whether it's like, we want to feature you in this thing, or I want to put you on this podcast, or I, you know, like...
1: Good things.
0: Yeah, like, good stuff. (laughs) And it's been the time where I've had, like, not the capacity, not even normal capacity to do stuff, but way more stuff to do
1: you've had a bunch of opportunities come up at a time when you're like oh i can't even do my laundry let alone seize opportunities
0: yeah part of it has been like oh i would like to have a life where i can you know do crazy stuff like be sick and not feel awful about it
1: the sarah firth podcast is a really good one i think every time and i sound like i'm a sycophant here every time i listen to a new episode starving artist i'm like oh, well, this one's clearly my favorite because this is way better than all the others. And, like, that that hasn't stopped so far. Every time I'm like, well, this one is just better than, like... It's such an incredible podcast. I really, really admire it. The Sarah Firth one really got me thinking because she codified a lot of stuff that's been brewing in my mind and she, like, put it into words really well.
0: Like, what kind of stuff?
1: Like, what you were talking about with the... Some people want a well-rounded life. Some people just want to work all the time. And I was like, I forgot that some people want a well-rounded life. Like... I am a bad friend to have, or a bad role model, or a bad partner, I guess, in the sense of creative partner, or maybe just romantic partner, I'll have to talk to Roxy about that, (laughs) because I don't want a well-rounded life. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to work all the time.
0: Sarah Firth, I really liked what she said. She said, some people don't want to be well-rounded and don't want to make time to, you know, cook dinner or have a dog or have vegetables. Some people do want to burn really brightly. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just think it's good to know that about yourself and to articulate that to the people in your life. And I think that you do a really, really good job of that. And this is where I get back to the initial thing that I said at the top, which is I feel like I have turned into you and I realise I don't necessarily want to be that, actually. Actually... I think that working all the time ultimately doesn't work for me.
1: Right, yeah, and and that's not a judgment call or anything like that. Yeah. If I have a spare day and I'm like, I can do anything right now, there is genuinely nothing more that I want to do with that spare day than start a new project.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: If you were like, Peter, an extra day every week, uh, you can't use it for any of your work stuff, I would be like, oh, yes, I'm going to launch this project. Like, that is actually the most exciting thing for me
0: see i have that feeling as well but that's because i honestly i don't know i'm getting to a point where i can see the life cycle of projects and my relationship to them like launching projects great feeling love doing that the brainstorming exciting bit fucking love that shit
1: no no i mean like genuinely like working on a project is not, not, not just the rush of launching it So, for example, like you like to go to parties, presumably. I
0: don't really go to parties.
1: You often talk about being at a party and something happens. So I assume that in in that process somewhere you go to a party.
0: It's all just the one party.
1: Just (laughs) a lot of stuff
0: happened at that one
1: party. (laughs) Or or, or not even party. Uh, You will go around to a friend's place for dinner.
0: Yeah, I do that. Well, see, this is the thing. I don't feel like I do do that. Right,
1: but that is a thing that you want in your life.
0: Yes, sure,
1: yes. One of the things that I sort of like about living in Toronto is that I don't have any friends here. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have friends. Like, there, there are people who hang out with and they're very lovely, and I say this kind of stuff often, and Roxy's like, Peter, you know people hear that and they get their feelings hurt. And I'm like, well, people who I'm friends with know that I'm friends with them, but, like, my two closest friends in Toronto live not in Toronto. <laughs> they live two hours north of Toronto. Alice, who is a close friend of mine, she guested on the podcast, and we we hang out frequently lives two hours away from Toronto. So, like, I don't have, like, local friends who I can just drop by or they can drop by. And I'm like, that gives me so much more time to do stuff. It's great.
0: Yeah. See, I think that I want a life outside of my work. Why? (laughs) Well, I don't know. Like, part of me is like, maybe this is just a grass is always greener thing. But some of it's really simple, some of it's like, I want company and activities that give me a break. Like, I've been getting into playing basketball, playing a little bit of basketball, and (laughs) watching the NBA, and it's just so
1: removed. That holds no appeal to me. I know it
0: holds... I wouldn't have thought it held appeal for me. (laughs) Like, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm like... Previously, I would have been like, that's a waste of time. (laughs) Who cares about the NBA? But, I don't know, just like... I actually just want spaces that are not about my work. And that are just about nice
1: experiences. The closest I have to that is... Relationships. And by that I mean romantic and sexual relationships are what I use as a, a non work thing. Having said that's very rare for me to have a romantic or a sexual relationship with someone who I'd end up working with in some capacity because that is what you do. Yeah, like ultimately. So like Roxy and I are very much in love and married and having a kid and doing a podcast that goes out once a week <laughs> like <laughs> I've workified my personal life.
0: So one thing that I think about, particularly in this thing of like having just been sick, I was like, I've been sick and I've had all this work to do and I've been like, how would I like, for instance, have a kid around this situation? Like I don't even have the whatever together to like, go buy groceries at a regular interval. Or you know what I mean, like, I don't know, I don't know what I'm longing for. Maybe it's just like order. Part of it is kind of a normal life. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who's a teacher and their partner was looking at career and stuff and my friend was saying, like, I think I might have an ordinary life. Like, I think my life (laughs) might end up being ordinary. Like, I might go get a house in the suburbs and be there and I have a normal job and my partner has a normal job and we might have kids, you know, like... And it would be just very (laughs) ordinary. (laughs) And I was talking to her and thinking, I, like, part of me kind of just wants that. Like, not that, but I don't know. Like, she has this fear of normalcy and I have this desire for it in some way.
1: There was an improviser, Melbourne-based improviser, who I just thought was hilarious. Like, whenever she was in a show, I thought, like, she is the bee's knees, we had her on the panel shows that we used to run a few times, and I moved out of Australia two years ago, but even a few years before that I lost contact with her. And I looked her up and she lives in the suburbs and she has kids and dogs and a normal job and a husband and doesn't do improv anymore, and I'm like, oh yeah, that is that is totally a path that people take. And a part of me, and this is, this is awful, but a part of me is like, what a waste, like she was so funny. But also, it's not a waste if, if like... As you know from the past two years, and as you know from the past two years particularly, and as I know from the past five to ten years particularly... Oh,
0: right. Okay. You've got five times the amount. Okay. All right. I see what you're saying man
1: Trying to build... I'm just going to ignore you and keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> trying to build this creative life is really self-flagellation. Like, it is all-encompassing and draining, and it takes over everything, and then at the end of it, like... I say the end of it. We, I'm I'm not at the end of it. And I'm 10 years in. You don't necessarily succeed. Like, there is a huge cost to trying to do this stuff that might never get you anywhere. Like, the thing is, you ultimately have to enjoy the process. You can't just be in it for the end goal. And so, like, I, mm. have, I totally understand why people are like, no, <laughs> <laughs> obviously I don't want to do that.
0: Actually, maybe not. Particularly, I was talking with a friend yesterday about how so many of my friends are so talented, professional, hardworking, fucking smart, amazing people who do all of that and earn so little money. Yeah. And I was like, those people, if they were in a particular job, whatever, and being utilised to their full capacity, the capacity that they're currently using for whatever it is they're working on now, would be worth so much money. (laughs) Like the level of work they're doing in a different setting would be worth a lot. And I was just like, surely, right? Like that's surely that level of working amazing in that way is worth a lot in some context. And my friend was saying, yes, she was looking at the kinds of roles that she's done for like low money or no money and been like, oh, if I did this in a different setting, I'd be getting paid like a hundred grand a year. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, all right, huh. (laughs) And I don't know, sometimes I'm just, oh, maybe just lately I've just been thinking about, like, my desire to do creative work and then just thinking about, like, how much of this is, like, a vanity project, if that makes sense. (laughs) No, like, how much of it is, like, when I was 17 or 18, I was like, I'll show you, and I'm just like still in that mindset. Does that make sense? I know that I have a big part of me that's like, I just want to prove that it's possible. And that's why I like fucking crush myself with work. And ultimately like end up making a life that I'm like, oh, I don't know if this really works for me, but I feel like I have to, and I don't know if there's any other way. And I'm just like, is that kind of, does that make sense to do is that, I don't know. I mean, part of it is also that I don't feel like I... Clearly I have options, but this seems like it makes the most sense for me to do personally. But it also means that when I consider that maybe it's not the thing I should do, that's when I... Should
1: is just as dangerous a word as just.
0: Well, I just mean as in... (laughs) (laughs) I can get quite dire quite quickly. I feel like if I can't make this work, I don't know how to do anything. Like, I don't know how... I don't know how to make anything work,
1: which is not the truth. You have no plan B.
0: Well, there's many options for plan B, but I just know myself at the moment well enough to know that doing those things would crush me in some way. Like I've been really blessed to be able to work in the way that I have, particularly for the past few years. But it also means that something would need to change for me to be able to not do that. As in, like, going back into a normal job, I'd know that I would just be very frustrated almost constantly, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> so so something would need to change, either something about my mindset would need to change or maybe it's just a particular place that I would need to be in for me not to just, like, want to just obliterate it, if that makes sense.
1: For me, the thing is, like, the way that you got to look at it is that there's... The stuff that you've got to do, and that's what the author meant when he was like, see if you can do anything else, because if you can't do anything else, then yes, you have to be a writer. There's stuff that you've got to do, there's stuff that you enjoy doing, and then there's stuff that you want to avoid doing, and that's that's very general, I realise, but I mean, like... For me, I have, I have got to create, like I need to create on a, on a core cellular level. Like if, I, if I'm not creating stuff, I, I just can't sleep. I go mad. I need to like sit down and create stuff on a regular basis. So that is no matter what I do, no matter what I end up decisions that I'm making, I'm constantly going to create. That is a thing that I need to do. So that that's what I need. I, I like Creating stuff that's fun. I, even more than that, I like having stuff that's finished. I really enjoy the fact that we have a backlog of 60 episodes. I'm like, I made that. I get this real sense of satisfaction from being able to look at that and being like, that is a thing that I did. I really like other people enjoying the stuff that I make. That is a that is a thing that I just get off on. You know, I'm just like, yeah, I did this thing and people enjoyed it. Hooray! It makes me feel important. I think feeling important is very important to me. And then there's stuff that I don't want to do. And the stuff that I don't want to do is actually a huge motivator for me, which is that I get so frustrated watching people do stuff inefficiently or watching people make what I think are poor decisions. <laughs> what?
0: I just relate to that a lot and I feel I feel bad about
1: it. <laughs> so like we launched, um, Roxy and I launched So This Is Love today. As soon as I finish this Skype call, I'm going to launch it and be like, it's launched, Done and in between when we came up with the idea for the podcast when we launched it another podcast has come out called so this is love mm. and and <laughs> can i can i say what you said about it
0: i said it's really frustrating when someone uses a name that you wanted to use and then has really bad graphic design i think that's what i said yeah i mean not bad just like
1: you know it's not your thing
0: it's not my thing so yeah that's frustrating
1: And so, like, I I design board games. I'm quite good at it. I'm getting better, but I'm actually quite good at it. And I don't really want other people to publish my board games because they will make decisions where I'm like, well, that's that's obviously not the right way to do it. And that is the thing that I'm like, I don't know if I can work for other people. If I have a boss who's like, Peter, make this thing and I make it. And then they're like, okay, we're going to change those. And I'm like, just don't don't change my stuff to make it worse. Don't do that. And I'm not saying I'm infallible and I'm I'm able to be convinced that choices that I make are incorrect or that there are better choices. Absolutely. But because I'm able to make those choices, I like to surround myself with people who are like, Peter, here's how you can do that better. And I can look at it and be like, that is how you do it better. Let's do it that way. Having someone else make that call is going to lead to times when I'm like, I disagree with that call entirely. And I don't even get to learn anything from it, like, because if it it fails, I'm like, well, I didn't, you know, I got nothing out of that. My thing that I made failed, I didn't even get a lesson out of it. Mm. And so for me, like, this this path of self-employment or this path of running my own company is the only one that I can take that fulfills all three of those criteria.
0: Yeah. I think one thing that I'm realizing about myself is that I find relationships quite stressful. As in... Just relationships in general. So it's on that thing of like, I want to work in ways where I feel like I can be honest with the people that I'm working with and I trust them and stuff like that. I find it really difficult if I don't feel like I'm in that kind of situation. And I feel like... That's quite an amazing position to be in, to be able to work in that way a bunch of the time. I know that for many people, that's not the case. It's really difficult to find that in a lot of jobs. So I um, don't expect to, but I also know that it's actually really important to me. It makes me very stressed to be in work relationships that don't feel good. And it's really hard to find them.
1: Well, you don't feel like you're on the same level or you can't communicate As well as you'd like.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's that thing of like, you don't miss what you don't know, right? But I've had the fortune of I do a lot of work outside of my work. And because of that, I know what it's like to have great collaborators
1: and people to work with. Anyone spring to mind? Anyone off the top of your head? I don't know.
0: No one. (laughs) (laughs) And so the idea of not having that is like, fuck! Yeah. Because I'm just like, goddamn. Because, you know, like before this, we had a really kind of awful conversation about how I was feeling really shit and whatever. And that is not the kind of conversation I would really be able to have in most work environments. And it's the kind of thing that I... You need. That I need. It makes, I don't know, it makes me feel not alone and not just... Fake or whatever. I don't know. I also feel really weird about these kinds of conversations just because I'm just like, this is a totally, as my friend calls it, rich people's problems of like, you know, like, this is a problem of being very privileged to be able to work in the way that I have been and then being afraid of losing it, pretty much.
1: Yeah, I I mean, the fact that it's a rich person problem does not invalidate it. No. I feel like if you start going down that path, then pretty soon you can't talk about anything except for dying of malaria.
0: (laughs) No, I just mean, like, I don't know, I just don't want to, like, whinge all day about my great problems to have. Everything has pros and cons, and I feel like I'm, for the most part, in a really lucky position that I've been able to work on for myself. So at the same time that I'm like, ah, what do I do? I'm also like really grateful is what i mean.
1: Nicole, my business partner, one of our, we, we Skype pretty much every day now, which is, I feel like I have a, an office. <laughs> in one of the calls, she was like, hey, I just want to raise this. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a business genius. I'm not like some Steve Jobs or, or whoever was doing the financial side of Steve Jobs's career. I don't want you to feel like you've settled for me. This is, this is me paraphrasing. She didn't say the exact words. And I was like, first of all, like, you are you are good at what you do, and I wouldn't even be vaguely considering this partnership if you weren't. But secondly, like, we've been friends, and so I know that I can... Like, I, I SJ, this may surprise you, I am a very particular kind of person to work with. Yeah. I, uh, I'm trying to work out how to say it without sounding like I'm using buzzwords. I speak my mind. Uh, you, you do it. You Describe what I'm like to work with.
0: Uh, stubborn. <laughs>
1: Can I stop <laughs> Uh
0: I mean, it's relative. Many people would not find you that way. Sometimes I do find you that way. <laughs> you, but yeah, you speak your mind. You're upfront. You're honest. I don't know what do you, what do you want me to say? I I like that about you.
1: Yeah, right. And 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 people don't like. Some people don't want that. But I I will share everything that's happening in my brain all the time with everyone. <laughs> Uh, if you're not into that, we're not going to work well together. I am a control freak, and that is because of the stuff I was talking about, where I don't want to hand it to someone else and watch them do it wrong. And if that's going to be a problem, we're not going to work well together. I am a, a unrelenting machine of getting stuff done, and I don't expect everyone else to do the same. But I am surprised when they don't. I, I don't. I don't switch off. That's what I'm trying to say. And so, like these are all facts about me that make me quite difficult to work with for many people. The fact that Nicole is. Not only okay with those things but like she thrives with them like we work really well together and we have this really good personal connection where we we genuinely like each other a lot like those two things way elevate her above any other candidate around at the moment
0: yeah 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 yeah
1: i'm not saying i would never find anyone else but like i don't expect to in the next five years and so she is the perfect candidate because we get along because you know we love each other and we get along and we work really well together and she's okay with all of my particular idiosyncrasies. I'm okay with all her particular idiosyncrasies. That makes her, like, the perfect partner. And I'm very, very excited to work with her. And, and that's the thing. Like, you can email someone and be like, hey, here's my credentials. And they might be on paper the perfect person. But until... I don't know. I don't know how anyone ever hires anyone.
0: <laughs> I don't know. You just fucking work it out. Trial and error. Yeah. I just like doing little stuff with people and then seeing what happens. Although I did record a podcast the other day with someone else and and they were like, you end up collaborating a lot with people you date. And I was like, I think that's (laughs) because when I date people, the relationship is intense enough in this way that means that we can, I don't know, something like that, something like that. But apparently, yes, I just almost exclusively work with people that I've dated.
1: <laughs> I almost exclusively end up working with people who I am dating. <laughs> but I think that's just because I am work personified. I suggested a proposal to someone and they were like, whoa, mate, let's uh, they use this phrase that I really enjoyed. Let's date before we get married. Apparently it's a business phrase. Oh, Okay. And it just means like, instead of jumping into this, let's do something small together first. I'm like, what a, what a good idea.
0: I agree. That's a great
1: idea. We have an outro this week from Nicole, <laughs> my business partner. She sent this to me in January before we'd even contemplated the idea of working together. Oh, really? Yeah, I just, I just found it in the, in the folder and I was like, oh, that's quite funny. Let's use that one. And so this is the voice of my new business partner, Nicole, who (laughs) I am probably going to talk about a lot because it's a very important relationship in my life.
0: And one day marry. Yeah,
1: I think her husband would have issues with that. Her monogamous husband. Wait a minute. She's also monogamous. She's not like monogamous. She's not.
0: (laughs) They're both. They're in a monogamous relationship.
1: They're in a... There we go. That's what I was trying to say.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening to Being Honest With My Ex. If you've enjoyed the podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review, and tell your friends. Or heck, just anybody you've met on the
1: street. And Peter is my favorite son. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, uh, that was Nicole is part of a board game streaming group or, or board game streaming channel on on Twitch called Twist Gaming, and that was her and Anne and Matt who are the three of the hosts of that show.
0: Ah, cute.
1: <laughs> Anne, who is the middle voice there, listens to the podcast. She actually transcribes our show notes nowadays because... Oh! Uh, you didn't want to. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say that without sounding like a dick.
0: Because I wasn't able to.
1: Because you weren't able to anymore, so Anne does our show notes. Thank you, Anne. And because she listens, she knows that we sometimes run out of outros. So they made us like 19 different outros... Of which I've gone through and picked, like, the four best ones. So if we, ever, <laughs> if we ever start pulling up more from Twist Gaming, you'll know that we've run out of outros. <laughs> but thank you very much cool. to Anne, Matt, and Nicole. And thank you, SJ. And thank you, listeners.
0: Yeah, thanks. That's interesting. So, so I'm wondering, so if I'm not going to be Peter because I broke myself a little bit and I realized that I don't want to be Peter, who am I
1: going to be? Well that will be the subject of the next sixty episodes of, kind of my head. An ongoing exploration into who SJ will be. We have a subreddit now. Did you know this?
0: No, I didn't
1: reddit.com slash r slash being honest with my ex so far it's just me and one other person (laughs) but we are having a grand time (laughs) if you are on reddit and you want to talk about the podcast we put a thread up each week we also have a facebook discussion group facebook.com slash groups slash being honest with my ex and that has like 30 people and we have a good old chat there as well
0: yeah i know we put up the well you put up the episode being like we're back and everyone was like woohoo and i was like oh cool
1: People are excited. People are being super lovely. This is the first one we've recorded since the three-month hiatus. I don't know if you mentioned that. No, we didn't. The last seven episodes all have me doing a manual, like, post-recording outro explaining these things. But now we get to do it live in SJ React.
0: Hey, I'm here too. Woohoo. Great.
1: That's all from us. We'll be in your ears next time. Talk to you then.
0: Bye-bye. Bye.